0: Hi, I'm Amy Porter, and this is my podcast. My mission is to show people how to empower themselves through music, business, and media. I try to see as clearly as possible how I can help. I showcase the music that I've played and the people I've met along the way. I'm a wife and a stepmom. You might know me as a professor, a performer, a producer, a publisher, a recording artist. I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits. Welcome in to my Porter Flute Pod. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. It's episode two in season four. We're here to talk about music and pets. Yes, animals. They've pretty much always been a part of my life and for the years I didn't own a pet, I was always wondering why. I seriously considered it and it came down to traveling. But staying put for the most part now, what I'm learning from taking care of another being like a dog or three means patience and learning how to be a leader in my own house. Being one with your pack is how dog whisperer Cesar Milan describes it. Better human, better dog. Here in the Porter Flute Pod pack with me today is Alan J. Tomasetti and Justine Sedke. And we all have some stories and some music about animals to share in our podcast. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. We're so glad everyone can join our pack. Let's talk about our animals and the music that we make. For instance, our schedules, it's pretty much the same. Our animals, they enhance our life, of course, but they need structure and we need structure. Our animals need basic exercise, well-nourished food. It's not all processed, clean water and love. Sound familiar? We need all that too. Space and time and stress-free moments to practice. So if we have a human to human connection and, you know, discussion about structure with other humans, then we should have a human to animal commitment to structure as well. If you live off the land, you know that schedule to animals is everything from sunup to sundown. So let let me talk about dogs for a moment dogs know when to eat when to sleep when we leave and when we practice and when this happens we're guiding them to a routine if you let your animal start to roam around the house when you're trying to work they think they're in charge they think they get to bark at everything right if i don't want to be interrupted the dogs go in their crate now by the way the crate is a safe space I'm not allowed in their crate and they're not allowed in my certain spaces at certain times. Even for snoring, they get booted from the room. When I had cats in Atlanta, one of them would body slam the door until she was let out. It was terrible. I couldn't teach a flute lesson. And the other one, he walked over the piano keys when he felt like it. I had to do some interesting cat proofing in Atlanta. So in Ann Arbor, having dogs. I swore to myself, I wouldn't let the dogs be afraid of music, and I stayed away from the breeds that tended to bay and howl. So, I'd like to play for you the music that I played, first time I ever played the flute, for my six-week-old puppy. Her name is Mary, after my godmother, and she's half lab, half Rottweiler. We call her a Labweiler. Okay, so I'm going to go and play the flute for Mary for the very first time in her life. She's asleep, but I'm going to start in this room and see what she does. Here we go. Playing the flute has always been a part of the noise in the house, just like speaking. I know, I'm lucky. My dogs don't howl or run away. One person on my YouTube channel wrote, You're lucky to have that dog. When I play, my dog runs away. And on Instagram, JennyB83 wrote, My dog peaces out as soon as she sees me take my flute or piccolo out. Mary's such a good girl. Some fans write in words that my dogs might be saying. For instance, on Burbigate Sticks, when I was playing with my Irish terrier, Cinnamon, in the video, one listener writes, Cinnamon, he, he, she's thinking, When will this end? I want to go in the other room. And Amy's thinking, Well, it is Allegro Molto. Hold your horses. Cinnamon, folded ears. <laughs> Some Instagram fans have written that I'm lucky my dog doesn't howl when I play. Sammy Musically I Am writes, my Roddy howls every single time I play. Well, okay, I learned this from the American Kennel Club. It's akc.org. Some people think dogs howl along to a Bach flute sonata because it hurts their ears. But if your dog was in pain, he'd most likely run away from the sound, hide, or cover his head. One reason for howling is the modern dog's connection to his ancestor, the wolf. In the wild, wolves howl to communicate with one another. They do it to let the other pack members know where they are. Or to warn off other animals encroaching on their territory. They also do it to assemble the pack and assert a group identity. It's similar to the domino effect that happens when one dog in the neighborhood starts to howl and then every dog joins in. Your canine companion may not even know why, why he's howling, but the behavior is deeply buried in the genetic code. In fact, Research suggests that canines actually have a sense of pitch. For example, as more wolves join in, each one changes its tone, and recordings have shown that each wolf is howling a different note. Your dog, too, can differentiate pitch and tone. Dogs also pick up higher frequencies than the human ear, so they may be howling along to something you can't even hear your dog may be deliberately joining in at a completely different pitch or note just to individualize his howl. University of Michigan alum composer Nina Shaker plays flute and she wrote zoo song for fellow alum Dr. Hannah Weiss I was able to perform Zoo Song in 2020 at the Mid-South Flute Festival, and I just want to feature some of the parts. Here she is. She's at the zoo. She just wants to be some of the animals, like a chicken or a pig. I want to be a chicken. What do you know about? you know about cuteness.com this is not an ad or anything it is just an amazing website where you can find a lot about what makes your animal the way they are they're passionate about all things pet and fostering a community of pet lovers they say that caring for pets isn't always a walk in the park but they've got you covered so when i went on cuteness.com i was looking for animals reactions to music and I found something on their blog. According to a study from 2001, researchers found that dairy cows that listened to certain types of music produced more milk and were more relaxed. According to the study, music tempo affects the cow's productivity. Cats, they couldn't really care less about human music. This may come as no surprise, but cats are fickle when it comes to music. They really don't care one way or another about music composed for human ears. However, when music is designed for kitty consumption, felines are more likely to listen. Charles Snowden, a psychologist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, along with composer David Tai and and, uh, psychology student Megan Savage, they came up with some music specifically organized and created for cats. Their study delves into the reasons why certain musical frequencies and tempos appeal to cats. You can even set up your cat with some headphones and listen to it at cuteness.com. Birds and humans have a lot in common when it comes to music. It's not really surprising. Birds really enjoy making music researchers at emory university decided to find out for sure whether or not birds are truly making music it turns out that birds brains react to making music in the same way human brains do sarah Erb, the lead researcher of this study states that the area of the birds brains that are affected by music are the brain regions quote associated directly with reward, the neural response to birdsong appears to depend on social context, which could be the case with humans as well. End quote. Elephants love to make music. Elephants are arguably some of the most incredible mammals that roam the earth. Conservationist Richard Lair decided to create the Thai elephant orchestra to harness the creative power and the elephants play specifically designed instruments such as harmonicas and steel drums. And when scientists studied the music from the elephants, they found the elephants were able to keep the rhythm even better than their human counterparts. Now dogs prefer classical music to relax. I can attest to that. No one likes the idea of any dog stuck in a kennel, but when it's unavoidable for whatever reason, consider playing some classical music. In a study published in the Journal of Veterinary Behavior, researchers found that classical music helped kennel dogs to relax. The scientists played all different kinds of music for 117 kenneled dogs, including rock, metal, and classical They found the metal music caused body shaking, a sign of increased nervousness and agitation in the dogs. But the classical music pretty much lulled the dogs to sleep, as it does for some humans as well. Music changes humans, for sure, and by this point we should be realizing the similarities our animal planet and our human planet share. We all share an aesthetic sense of understanding the power of music. I researched some scholarly papers regarding how animals change with music. It changes them physiologically and psychologically. Here are some open-access abstracts which I'll cite, they're fascinating. Leanne C. Alworth and Shauna C. Burkle wrote a paper in 2013, and you can find it on nature.com. It's called The Effects of Music on Animal Physiology, Behavior, and Welfare. Physiological and psychological effects of listening to music have been documented in humans. The changes in physiology, cognition, and brain chemistry, and morphology induced by music, have been studied in animal models providing evidence that music may affect animals similarly to humans. Information about the potential benefits of music to animals suggests that providing music may be used as a means of improving the welfare of laboratory animals, such as through environmental enrichment, stress relief, and behavioral modification. The authors review the current research on music's effects on animals, physiology, and behavior, and discuss its potential for improving animal welfare They conclude that the benefits of providing music to laboratory animals depend on the species and the type of music. You can find this next article on mdpi.com. It's about interplay between animals and music technology. It's called Animals Make Music, A Look at Non-Human Musical Expression by Reinhard Gupfinger and Martin Kaltenbrunner from Linz, Austria. They write... The use of musical instruments and interfaces that involve animals in the interaction process is an emerging yet not widespread practice. The projects that have been implemented in this unusual field are raising questions concerning ethical principles, animal-centered design processes, and the possible benefits and risks for the animals involved. Animal-computer interaction is a novel field of research that offers a framework ACI Manifesto for implementing interactive technology for animals. Based on this framework, we've examined several projects focusing on the interplay between animals and music technology in order to arrive at a better understanding of animal-based musical projects. Building on this, We will discuss how the implementation of new musical instruments and interfaces could provide new opportunities for improving the quality of life for gray parrots living in captivity. And lastly, this is an article you'll want to find from ResearchGate.net. Elephants that paint, birds that make music. Do animals have an aesthetic sense? art in its myriad forms has long been seen as a uniquely human gift, evidence of our advanced cognitive abilities and consciousness. In contrast, scientists have understood all animal behavior as survival value alone, but a magpie singing to itself embellishes its songs with trills, overtones, and a unique closing phrase. And animals as diverse as elephants, chimpanzees, and seals appear to enjoy painting. Two Australian scientists, Leslie J. Rogers and Gisela Kaplan, Ph.D., write that in the face of growing evidence for animals' complex cognitive abilities, we should not be too hasty in deciding whether what is art to us might also be art to them. reached out to some people to ask about their perspective on being a pet owner and being a musician. So we'll hear from three people, Ellen Tomasetti from Porter Flute Pod, Justine Sedke, another producer from Porter Flute Pod, and a dear friend, Laura Dwyer. First, let's find out about Justine's cat, Levi. Justine writes levi was found on the street and brought to me by a friend and oboist in august 2020 during the peak pandemic lockdown he was tiny probably about two months old and he pretty much just wanted to sleep for the first couple of weeks that we had him around september i resumed teaching private flute lessons but i like the rest of us had to do them on zoom I wasn't sure how he was going to adjust to the sudden noises, and there were lots of noises. My students were all around 5th and 6th grade, but once I settled in and started to play scales with my students, he would fall right asleep. It was so refreshing. I had pets growing up who couldn't stand the sound of the flute, but it knocks Levi out. When my students would get frustrated about always missing the E naturals in their band piece, I would... Just point my camera at Levi and show them how happy he was to listen. He lightened the mood and made virtual flute lessons feel a little less bad for a minute each week. Now, from Alan Tomasetti Alan writes, I've always been an animal lover since I was little. I've had everything from dogs, cats, birds, fish, and even hermit crabs and hamsters growing up. When I left for college, it really wasn't the same. My pets would listen to me practice and would certainly have an opinion about what I was playing. I couldn't get through Peter and the wolf without my own bird trying to sing along. When I moved out to Arizona 11 years ago, I started out with a hamster, since living across the other side of the U.S. away from family was quite lonely. His name was Gizmo, and he was with me for five years, which was a long time for a hamster. Since hamsters are nocturnal, he slept while I was at work and was running all around his cage while I practiced at night. I felt like every time I played fast passages, he'd just run in his wheel faster. Having Gizmo reminded me the importance of structure, not only taking care of him, but also taking care of myself. Life needs structure. Now I have a four-year-old lab boxer mix named Duke and he's a therapy dog. When he's not sleeping in the sun or trying to chase birds away from our pool's waterfall, we volunteer our time at Arizona State University and the Mesa Police Department, where he gets petted by staff and helps make their days even better. I got him before the pandemic and while we were all in quarantine, Not only is he my practice buddy and lays at my feet while I play, but also I spent the time I had at home training him, which really helped better my own mental health. That structured routine and his training regimen not only helped Duke become the extremely well-behaved and even obtained seven AKC titles, but also it reminded me that structure in my daily life has helped me get through the tough times, providing stability and knowing what to expect when. Speaking of structure, most recently I got a 200 gallon saltwater aquarium that I plan to keep fish in and coral and invertebrates and have my own little piece of the ocean out here in the desert. Yes, it may be a lot of work, but for someone like me that always needs to have something to do in order to feel peace of mind, it's certainly doing the job. No matter how large or small the pet may be, they were all teaching me as much as I was teaching them that structure and routine leads to a happier and more balanced lifestyle. Now last, let's hear my Anatomy of Sound partner Laura Dwyer share her thoughts about her cats, one of whom I believe is a mixed up dog.
1: Amy, as you know, my husband Chris and I are both musicians, so there's music going on in our house in some form or fashion pretty much 24 hours a day in some way. And we have two beautiful Persians that we adore. One is a big black Persian with um, orange eyes. And then we have a, a smaller calico Persian with yellow eyes. And we just adore them. They're beautiful kitties and they're a huge part of our lives. And they love music. They, uh, they love to come in when I get my instrument out. And often Angel will hop up in my lap when I'm playing. That little sweet calico kitty will hop up in my lap and go to sleep while I'm playing. That is until I get into the high register. She is super not a fan of the upper register. So as soon as I uh, get up around E natural F um, above the staff, she's done once out. <laughs> so she jumps off my lap and goes over to my studio door and is demanding to be released. Bear, is he doesn't get in my lap. He doesn't mind being in the room with my high notes at all. So he'll sleep in the in the corner um, and, and is a part of my practice routine but actually both of the cats prefer the horn (laughs) that's the instrument of choice they both love to be anywhere near Chris when he's practicing and um, they don't mind they'll sit right behind his bell if that's what you know if there's a spot to sit they will sit right behind his bell and sit there and sleep while he's practicing for hours they adore the horn when we lived in St. Louis, um, Chris practiced down in the basement uh, just because it was a very big room and it, it allowed him to really use the space. And so he would sit down in the basement for hours and there were all these different corners and spots. Um, and there was a place where we had suitcases uh, stored. And so the cat would sleep on top of the suitcase and just be as near as he could to Chris's horn. They also like to get up on the stairs and look down on Chris while he was practicing. And they, they love it. They love the horn more than the flute, I have to say. It's a little insulting. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> But they love the horn and don't mind if it's loud. Um, but as soon as I'm up in the high register, they're not interested. But they love music and they're drawn to it. So they come in uh, when, we're, when we're practicing. And they know that we care about it. I'm very sure that they know that we care about it because they are always present and coming in to be a part of it. And I know that they care about us. And that's a big thing um, that they share with us. So it's it's a lot of fun. What do they teach us? Wow. There's a lot that I think that they teach us. Um, they teach us how to communicate with uh, somebody that doesn't know our language, how to love somebody that doesn't know our language. Um, they teach us how to take care of things that um, that need us. They teach us um, how to value uh, life in all kinds of different forms. So I think that that's a, a huge thing that they teach us. They teach us um, what it takes to care for another living being. But honestly, I think the thing that I've learned the most from my cats and from having them throughout my life is that they teach you about death. They teach us so much about the process of death, what's going to happen, um, when it's coming, how to how to know um, when life is starting to ebb, what to do, how to be kind how to let go, how to understand that it's better for, um, a pet or a person to go and to, to move on to another realm and not stay, uh, because it's either too painful or it's just not possible. And when you go through that with a pet, it prepares you in so many ways for going through it with a human. And, um, it's it's so devastating when we lose our pets the first time and it's such a preparation for for what life is 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 going to have for us later and it's almost as if it's it's something that you've done before you've gone through the grief, you've gone through the process of death, you've been present if you were there with your with your pet when they pass, that you've, you've been present with the pet. You've been present with someone as they, as they um, move to another realm. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I, I learned from my pets um, the first time I lost a pet and, and the other times as I've moved through my life because I'm always going to have cats. They teach us so much about life, love, and the end of life.
0: When I proposed this podcast to my co-producers, there was a touch of silence, and then I began explaining how important it was to me to make sure that the music in the house was working okay with the animals in the house. On Facebook just tonight, I got two comments from two flutists, and I'd like to share them to finish the podcast. Rosalie Morrow writes, when I used to practice piano to accompany students for their solo and ensemble festivals, my cat, Cuddy, would jump up on the piano bench and watch me. And she put a really cute photo there. Maddie Aiken writes about her dog. My little cowgirl used to love when I would come home from school and play piano. She would run to the room and curl right up under the soundboard and then protest when it was time to go for a walk. I miss her every day, and I loved practicing for Lillian and Mary too, the best listeners. Yes, Maddie, thank you for watching Lillian and Mary and practicing for them. You can join us next time on Porter Flute Pod. My guest is colleague Kathy Stewart. She's a Baroque Flutist who teaches here Baroque Flute Lessons at University of Michigan. We have a series on YouTube called Quants Quickies. You can find me at my websites, amyporter.com or porterflute.com. And on social, I'm porterflute on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And on Facebook, I'm Amy Porter Flutist. Thanks for being here. I'm so grateful for you.